0: Uh. Let the record show that John has entered my apartment with a bag and he won't tell me what's in it. a video game for me. I usually just watch gameplay footage of it, but never actually play it myself. And welcome back to a very special episode of Zero Credits, the show where we talk about video games. My name's E. Henry. And my name's Cyber John. And together we're coming at you with all of the hot takes and latest gamer news from the Electronic Entertainment Expo. 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 That's right, it's a very important time for gamers. I like to think of this as the preakness of games. Yeah, the very prop <laughs> the, the the cream of the crop. It's a, really I think E3 is like the closest thing to a major sporting event uh, enjoyers of video games have. Yeah, like if every if every year all of the sports got together and announced what major things are gonna happen in the in the season of their sport events that would be very analogous, an, an, <laughs> an, <anagulous>. an <laughs> I, it would be comparable I, I want to make something totally clear that we will not stay on this subject for very long this is something that I think is interesting as an idea is what if any other industry had an e3 like what if the book industry, had a multi-million dollar event where people came out in blazers and hoodies and bombastically talked about their books or movies or music. Like, video games are the only art form that has this exact gaudy thing. Yeah, I mean, you don't have people coming up and saying, The book is good. If the book is not good, why read the book? (laughs) Not a lot of people do that. Uh, I do want to say one thing though very quick Henry. All right. Uh, I didn't want to say this for later but I'm I'm pretty uh I'm pretty excited about it. Is this about the bag that you brought into my apartment and will not tell me anything about are you going to blow me up with a bomb? Uh there there might be something in the bag. I just want to say so E3 costs millions of dollars. So obviously there's money in the video game industry, right? Yeah, there's a couple of dollars, I would say. So I know that it's been really hard for us to get sponsors. Yeah. Because we talk about, like, things that are general or philosophical or ideological or the time ghost. Yeah, I mean, we generally, we, we don't throw ourselves into one industry wholeheartedly. We, we try to cover a range of topics, but... Uh, so what I've done is uh, I've uh, solicited a few different companies because as it turns out, if you produce a certain amount of content and your focus is on, let's say, video games, uh, people will tend to like give you free stuff. You actually like contacted people on zero credits behalf, like, Is this a bit, or did you actually do something? So I maybe told them whether our podcast is about video games, which might be a lie. It's not that big of a stretch, I would think. Listen to the last two episodes. (laughs) True. Uh, We we have over a hundred episodes, and sometimes they'll send you promo codes, or sometimes they'll send you, like... Swag? Products. Swag. So I actually have something in this bag that I'm really excited to show you. You got sent swag by a company. Okay. So I got this in the mail today and it is uh ubisoft gamer wine feel the block so i believe that says feel the blast it also says assassin creed on the bottom <laughs> So from what from that is not their logo, John. That is just two circles <laughs> from the from the ad copy I got. This is a new uh, gaming supplement from the creators of Assassin's this Creed. This is just a box of wine, John. So this is a uh, feel the blast. This is uh, a <laughs> feel the. Feel the blast of the gaming wine? Yeah, it's the gamer wine. Trademark, of course. Patent (laughs) pending. So this is a next generation... I'm just reading off of the ad copy here. Uh, This is a next generation fuel for gamers, understanding that gaming is a growing demographic and an aging demographic. That's not even close (laughs) to their logo. The great majority of gamers, the ad copy says, are over the age of 21 and frugal. Thus ubisoft gamer wine is that an e at the end of ubisoft i it's french i can't really say well i wouldn't i I would be remiss if we did not make use of the product they sent so we should we should we should dig into this gamer wine i do want everyone to know this is technically a sponsored podcast now (laughs) So we do want to keep our opinions unbiased, but just know that uh, Ubisoft has sponsored this episode. So we're going to be right back. We'll uh, prepare ourselves some glasses of the gamer wine, and we'll be right back with you. Where's the nipple? (laughs) There we go. Fill me up gamer wine that's a huge glass took a really long time for me to figure out exactly how i was going to make boxed wine funny (laughs) all right now that we're fueled up with boxed wine from ubisoft new gamer wine fuel for your fuel let's get into all of the big Things that happened this past weekend at E3 in Los Angeles. So, uh, the biggest thing that I want to talk about, it's on everyone's lips, press conferences. Press conferences. A lot of the major people do them. Xbox, PlayStation, or Sony as they call themselves, uh, Nintendo. The Nintendo people. Actually, they don't do a press conference. They do a direct transmission, but then they do a treehouse live from the e- the floor of E three. So I count them. So the uh, it- and th- and then you got the smaller types. You got your E three, your Ubisoft. Uh, your- e three has a press conference. That's what I said. I'm And EA. <laughs> oh, okay. You got your E. <laughs> it's in the game. And then uh, Bethesda, which mm. is where we should start, because no EA what? was the first one, right? Okay. I, uh, I Let's watched... take this chronologically, John. <laughs> Let's start it. Let me. Hold on. We can let start, me put no, this in order. Abs- we can start with Bethesda. It's already in order. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> uh, so, EA, first up. Yeah, alphabetically, EA. Let's go. <laughs> alphabetically and chronologically, EA. I watched the entire EA press conference. What did they announce? <laughs> 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 I seriously don't remember. Well, I. Maybe we should start at the top with just an overall impression of E3 this year. Because, I I mean, I I watched, let's say, 90% of the content. Yeah. And, and, And I just have to say, this was not a strong year for E3. I disagree. All right. Why, you jerk? (laughs) Uh, No, I just disagree to points we'll get at later. But also, this is the first E3 that I've watched the majority of in maybe three years. Oh, so you don't know. I don't know how good E3s have been in the past. Well, let's just say last year's E3 was phenomenal. We had all these major companies announcing all these huge games. And this year, it's kind of like we knew maybe 60% of what we got going into the... The things across the board. Mm-hmm. like uh, So Bethesda did a, a thing where they announced Fallout 76 two weeks before E3. Yeah. So we knew we were, we were going to see stuff about Fallout 76. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, we did not get an overall impression of the game. We just got more teaser stuff. Yeah, for what it's worth, I think maybe it has something to do with just the the... The nature of leaks happening around E3. But I was pretty much aware of everything that I ended up being interested in before E3 even happened. And to me, that that's a disappointing E3. Because E3, I, I would think, is where you drop your bombshells. Mm. And maybe, maybe the industry is changing. Maybe the industry is no longer about bombshells, but just... Garnering an interest over a long development cycle, and I, I think that's that's pretty understandable. I think gone are the days of like the Metal Gear Solid two reveal of people like standing up and screaming in the seats. Oh yeah, or like you know, here's this game. Oh, by the way, it comes out tomorrow. we maybe that maybe stunts like that don't really work. For what it's worth, though, I think Nintendo is pretty good. Is still pretty good at doing that, yeah. doing things that are surprising. R- but that's also because Not this year. Did they, did people know about all that stuff before? And let's, okay, we're talking around everything in the show and we should I'm tackle just, it. All I'm saying is overall, I felt like this year E3 is more conservative than in years previous, even to the point where the presentations were not the mean filled, like mean spirited joke fest mm. that they used to be, even though you had some of the same cringy stuff. Yeah. We seem to be in a, in a state where we're not lingering on the cringy stuff as much anymore. I definitely felt like there was, uh, less of an impetus this E3 to try new things when it come, when it came to press conferences. Which is a shame, because usually when they try new things at press conferences, they fail and are funny. I know. I, we're, we're used to those moments of like, why, why did they get this, you know, internet s- superstar or whatever, this internet celebrity, this nobody, to to fail at doing a press conference. Yeah. And maybe maybe the marketing teams of these firms are finally learning that all you really need to do is show gameplay. I guess uh I guess gone are the day oh this makes me so sad. It makes me nostalgic that gone are the days of boom, there it is. Yeah. Or yeah. Girlwood. Girlwood? So Ubisoft, a couple of years in a row, got Aisha Tyler, mm-hmm. very talented actress. Oh, I remember, yeah. To be their NC, their And she, one year, they had this whole thing about hashtag girlwood, uh-huh. about what games excited her. And mm. gave her the equivalent of manwood. Of manwood. I see. But anyway, back to your question. Mm. E3. What did they reveal? Oh boy, oh goody, oh how? Yes. I mean, you've got your Battlefield, Battlefield 5. Battlefield 5, sure. They're going to World War II to follow up the success from Battlefield 1. They're really continuing this, uh, they're continuing this strange Battlefield train of trying to tell more personal stories, uh, in a game that is. Largely based around its multiplayer. Nothing wrong with that, though. Uh, you remember Battlefield 3? Battlefield 3 was good. The single player was actually really good and well done. I never play single player and sh- the single player campaign in, in uh, in a uh, shooter. Totally understandable. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's kind of weird that they're trying to push single player, but also they do a good job of it, and all the trailers look pretty slick. In, in, a, in a weird, this is a year that's kind of weird because we seem to be focusing more and more on multiplayer. Whereas, just like a year ago, there was a campaign about like saving the single-player experience mm-hmm. from, from fading out because it's not as lucrative. Yeah, but then Battle Royale games became really popular. And Battlefield Five is going to have a Battle Royale mode. Like, you can't not do it. From what I understand, when they first unveiled the Battle Royale mode, people booed. And if you go back and look at the presenters... There's two of them, Mm -hmm. and one of them is like, we're going to, you know, of course we're delivering on something that everyone seems to want. And and the the, the guy next to him goes, mmm, with just this, the straightest lined Mm. smile. And he's the one who says, it's Battle Royale. (laughs) And you like, you can see him like he's, (laughs) this was a funny moment. It seemed like he he wanted to swallow the words as he said (laughs) it. And then the reaction happened where people were like, eh. Yeah. And, and, like, they kind of, like, we get it. <laughs> yeah, we understand. This is publisher pressure. Yeah. But EA, not, not a lot. I mean, you've got all your sports games. You got your FIFA 19, one of the best-selling games on the planet, mm-hmm. just because of how popular soccer is. Uh, they talked about a cloud streaming service. You sure. Origin news. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a new Star Wars game. Okay. It's called Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. You'll be playing as a Jedi. I regret starting with EA. It takes place during the dark times, when the Jedi are being hunted. I believe I read that you play as a Padawan who survives Order 66. That seems like a classic Star Wars video game plot. Yeah, why not? It's like, hey... You know this cool dynamic thing that happened in the story? What if you're the one guy who survived it? What if you're Grax Starkiller? I mean, it's just like in the same vein as uh, Force Unleashed. Mm -hmm. You're the apprentice of Darth Vader. I feel like you know, the one never mentioned in the movie. I feel like the thing that Star Wars gets unfair like amounts of flack for is people say it's a power fantasy. The best Star Wars movies are not power fantasies. All of the Star Wars video games are. Yeah, it's like it's like the games are where they go with like, hey, you know, the force is cool. What if we could, like, use the Force to make bombs? Yeah. What if the Force could, like, rip planes out of the sky and make hot girls make out with you? Star Wars. (laughs) Force bros. (laughs) Force bros. Other than uh, Dark Forces. Dark Forces was good. I've never played a Star Wars game that wasn't Lego-based. Kyle Katarn? Kyle Katarn? Dax Rendar? Kyle Katarn? What's next? Riven. Anthem is next. <laughs> Riven? Oh. The sequel to Mist. No. Oh, Revan. Revan. Revan, the sequel to Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Prequel. Prequel to Darth Vader. I and mean, he was the downfall of the Sith. He was. And then thus enacted the rule of two. Neither here nor there. Anthem. Anthem. What or is it? <laughs> Anthem is EA slash Bioware. Mm. If you remember them from such games as Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the people who made Mass Effect? Which ones? The first two? (laughs) Mass Effect 1 through Andromeda. (laughs) Mass Effect 1 through Anthem. Damn it. That's, yeah, Anthem. Anyway. um, So this is EA's and Bioware's answer to Destiny. Ah. It's a super massive story shooter where you get to fly around like an Iron Man and a Javelin because they couldn't think of a cooler name. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, I don't care. I I think BioWare is one of the most creatively bankrupt companies that is working right now. I feel like EA has stripped all of the talent out of BioWare to the point where it's like, I don't care what they're putting out anymore. Yeah. Anymore. It's real sad. Uh, I mean, if you take a... Not to, like, shit on certain games that I know that real people love, but if you take the BioWare of the past... Uh, and they decide to make something extremely ambitious like Dragon Age Origins. Uh, and then they're like, and now the BioWare that we have today makes like Dragon Age Inquisition and Destiny games. Yeah. It's sad. I mean, after they let the Montreal team, a team that has never made a triple A, you know, mainline game before, after they let them release the Abomination, that was Mass Effect Andromeda, a game that was not finished or polished to any degree that over time got a lot better because they did, they didn't drop support right away. I feel like I should not reward Bioware slash EA with anything other than my attention. I feel like that's fair. Cause let's play Mass Effect 2 again. Yeah. Mass Effect was one of the greatest gaming trilogies of all time. Yeah. And Mass then, Effect 2 is one of the best video games ever made. And, 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 like, one of the head writers at Bioware came out today and said, there's still hope for Mass Effect, but right now our priority's on Anthem. Yeah. And that's what I, that's where I was like, Anthem's done. So. Right now EA's priority is on Anthem. The, the fact that they didn't even do DLC for Andromeda to cover the three races they left out of the game, mm. like they said they were going to do, that's messed up. It's real messed up. So... If we were going to give EA a grade, ooh, I like this grading them. Grading their their conference, their presentation based on like content and overall sort of like uh, performance. I would give them, I mean, a solid C. I would give them a D because I watched the entire press conference and remembered nothing. That's a good you, point. You had to remind me that the Battlefield Five trailer looked kind of cool. Everything else I totally forgot about. And this is the thing about EA. I feel like EA is for a certain kind of gamer, the kind that's in college with an Xbox, who's more of a dude bro than, like, a person who nerds out over, I don't know, stats and stuff. Yeah. that uh, That's totally true. That fair. might not be fair, but that's the impression I get from what they put forth. EA used to be, like, a behemoth that owned video gaming, and I'm sure they still do to some extent, but I'm just not interested. Yeah. But moving on. To Microsoft. Okay, Microsoft. I watched that whole thing too. 50 exclusive titles, 99 trailers, 172 intellectual properties, 5 million demos, 8 controllers. <laughs> So so yeah, that the the general theme of Xbox was excess. Look at all of the things we have going on for ourselves mm-hmm. that when you hold a magnifying glass over is more empty and hollow than <laughs> it is full and robust. It's really like a wax museum. Yeah. It's like we have all these trailers. Some of them don't have sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> we have all these trailers. Some of them are just updates to games that are already out, the yep. Sea of Thieves. Uh, Microsoft has done that before, though, uh, where they've where they pull out the numbers and they like, look at all the things that are coming to this, even though they'll probably be released uh, coterminously on the PC. Yeah. So, so just scrolling through these, the games that they showed uh, two hold on, three, four, four were also shown in other conferences, five, five were also shown in other conferences in the same weekend. Nailed it, Microsoft. Let me just say up front, this is a game we're not going to talk about a lot. Yeah. I just want to say Tunic looks super awesome. Tunic's the only game I want to talk about. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Tunic, uh... And it's not even on this list of a recap. That is a shame. But it was in in that press conference, though, right? It was. Yeah, uh, Tunic looks really cool. So, just to give you a basic little rundown, quick rundown, if you didn't see it, Tunic, you play as this adorable little fox with these nice isometric sort of top-down graphics, a la the old Zelda games... It's called tunic. You wear yeah. a tunic. You find a tunic. You find a sword. Your legend is Fox Zelda. Zelda like a fox. Zelda like a fox. Uh, it Looks it, adorable and it looks fun. It's supposed to be like a big time love letter to Link to the Past. I mean, they're nailing the aesthetic. Uh, they're nailing the aesthetic. It, it looks really good. Like it. There's a certain. Uh, there's a certain like orthographic viewpoint that you see in things like Lara Croft Go and Hitman Go. You've, you've seen those, right? Like Hitman Go, Lara Croft Go. Is that like the mobile equivalents of Pokemon Go, but for those two series? <laughs> they're, uh, they're like... I'm sorry, I don't know that. They're like, uh, isometric view, like, strategy board game things. They're really fun. Okay. Uh, and I really like that kind of, like, playset feel that Tunic has going for it. So, we can briefly... I, 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 Man, like, uh... uh A Hitman version of Pokemon Go would be great. Just walk around, like, shooting people. (laughs) Your target is five meters to the left somewhere. You hold your phone up to someone just tapping it to kill them. Uh, So, Microsoft was the first time that we saw a trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3. When we get to the other two conferences, I will remind you (laughs) that we saw this trailer already. And the Microsoft presentation. I uh, I watched the Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer. Which one? Uh, the one without sound effects that was played during the Microsoft. And again, <laughs> later. Well where get to it. are those sound effects. I think they cut everything out for the the music track, you know? Oh. Kingdom Hearts 1 was simple and clean. Uh Kingdom Hearts 2 with Sanctuary. Yeah, but I mean you can't like cut out all the sound effects to be like, hey, listen to this song, but also the dialogue is mixed at the same It seemed really poorly put together. Do we have a list of the Microsoft games? I have them in front of me. Can I because I feel like there's one other thing that I want to talk about with Microsoft. So they announced Halo Infinite, who with cares? No other details. Who cares? Ori oh, Will ooh of... ooh, Ori Will of the Wisp looks really good. A sequel to Ori in the Blind Forest, a game I've but never played. Uh, Sekiro also looks really cool. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice looks like a Japanese Souls game. Let me tell you what it looks like. It doesn't look like a Japanese Souls game. It looks like a motherfucking Tenchu game. What? No! It looks like a Japanese Souls game. Okay, here's the thing. It's by From Software. The people who made the Souls games. It's and are pu- Japanese. It's published by Activision, just like Tenchu is. It is, you're a ninja, you have a grappling hook, it's like a... It looks like an action RPG Dark Souls Tenchu game. Yeah. It looks real good. And it's one of the, I want to say, three Japanese Souls-like games that were featured at this press conference. And that's something that we can extrapolate later and talk about what is going on there. But uh, that game looks real cool. Fallout 76. Uh Oh, we'll talk about that under Bethesda. Bethesda. The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit. The one thing I will say about that is I really like Life is Strange and that looks dumb. Crackdown 3. Uh, Terry Crews. Really love Crackdown. I would love this game to be... About Terry Crews. I think it is. Oh, great. I would love this game to be out on PC. (laughs) I am not buying an Xbox. That is totally fair. Near Automata. A port. A port. Metro Exodus, new Metro game. Uh, Metro games always look good, play not as good. Kingdom Hearts Threes. Bad trailer. Sea of, sea of Thieves. Thieves, bad game. Forza. Cars. Studios. Uh, oh, they bought four studios. They bought four studios, uh, none of which I ever heard of other than Ninja Theory, which here's the crazy thing to me. They were like, we bought all these studios. The first one I'll tell you about, Undead Labs. State of Decay sure is good, but I mean, if you bought Ninja Theory... That's crazy. Ninja Theory made like Heavenly Sword, Hellblade, um, they did. Enslaved Journey to the West or whatever. They bought Ninja Theory. Yeah, Ninja is a really cool company. They, Didn't bought they it. I think they made the new Devil May Cry, too. Not okay. that one. The other one. Yeah, yeah. The, the The one that was featured. Devil Might Cry. Did they make the one that was announced this weekend? I don't think so. Oh, so the one before that. They made the remake. Okay. Yeah, Ninja Theory made the remake of Devil May Cry, I think. And then they bought an indie game, an indie company that's never released a game. They made We Happy Few. Not technically released. Uh, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, who cares? Tales of Vegeta, who cares? Uh, Tales of Vesperia is a really good game. The Division 2, uh, loot shooter where you shoot looters. Uh, <laughs> you <just> going so... <laughs> Quickly. You know, we don't need to talk about all of these. Uh, you said you, 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 there might be something. Devil May Cry 5. Is that the, the one? The trailer looks sick. Alright. I love Devil May Cry. Never played one. I've played uh, Bayonetta. Y- yeah. You don't need to play Devil May Cry if you've played Bayonetta. Okay. Bayonetta's like all the good There's- people from Devil May Cry made another thing. There's Tunic. There's Tunic. Uh, ooh! Ooh! Here we go. Here's one that I seriously want to talk about. Oh, you want to talk about... I seriously want to talk about Dying Light 2. Never mind. Uh, what is Jump Force? That's... Okay. Oh, yeah. I remember. Jump Force is a thing. Just briefly. Mm-hmm. There is the show and jump game series that's been in Japan forever. hmm And it features various anime characters in the same fighting game. And it, it, growing up as a high schooler who was obsessed with anime... It was like a dream. I was like, oh my god, this exists? Why is it in the West? On my DS, finally. Why is it? Bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo versus Naruto, finally. Why isn't it here? Mm -hmm. And the answer was the licensing. Mm -hmm. It was too expensive to license all those characters for one game. So the fact that Jump Force, which is the that exact thing that we described, it's all of these anime characters, finally you can answer who would win between Goku and no one, because Goku wins. Yeah. Uh, Unless he fought Monkey D. Luffy. I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I don't think so either. I just wanted to show you that I knew a character from One Piece. Anyway, that's what Jump Force is. It's exciting that it's finally coming to the West. That's all I want to say about that. You want to talk about Dying Light 2, the parkour I, zombie game? I do want to talk about Dying Light 2, because when it was announced, I'm like, this looks cool. Uh So Dying Light was the kind of like sequel branch to these games called Dead Island by Techland. I thought it was by Deep Silver. Deep Silver is the publisher. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, but Dead Island, uh, is a really good game. Well, it, mm, it's really fun to play. Dead Island is a, has, is a game with a lot of fun systems. Yeah. But it's about 10 hours too short. Yes. Uh, also about 10 hours too long, <laughs> too. Uh, the first area of that game is amazing. I really liked Dead Island, and then Dying Light came out, didn't play it. Uh, but then this Dying Light 2 trailer, I was like, that looks very pretty. Uh, but then they said, we're going to, uh, bring out our narrative lead to talk about the story of this game. Do you remember the guy who came out and is the narrative lead? No. His name's Chris Avalone. Is he like Chris Angel's little brother? Have you ever heard of Chris Avalone? No. Let me, uh, let me read you the games that Chris Avalone has been designer, lead writer, or narrative designer on. His first, uh, game of note, Fallout 2. That's a really. Pop culture-heavy game. Uh, Planescape Torment. Don't know it. Icewind Dale. You're just making up names. Uh, Baldur's Gate. That's a famous one. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. Wait, that's the one that everyone loves. That's the really good one. That's the one with Revan. Uh, well, uh, yes. Both of them have Revan. Well, yeah, but that's the one with Revan. Uh, Alpha Protocol. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Lead writer on Fallout New Vegas. Really? Uh, lead writer... Let's see. How do you snag a guy as prolific as this guy? I'm, I'm not even done. He's done Pillars of Eternity, Tyranny, Prey, Divinity Original, Original Sin 2, System Shock. Like, Chris Avalon is the most talented writer. He worked for Obsidian for a long time. Well, yeah, half of those games you just said were Obsidian or no, no, still obsidian, I forgot. I, I was thinking they became something else, but they just started making other games. Yeah, uh, and he was the lead designer on all of New Vegas' DLC. Uh, Chris Avalone is a really smart guy, and I think that whatever he will do with that game is probably going to elevate something that's just like a fun zombie game into something that's more interesting, because everything he writes, uh, he has a tendency to be like, there are gray areas, things suck, there's like, the political realism that happens. There's no true good... Like, in New Vegas, there's no good versus evil. Mm-hmm. There's just different shades of good and evil. Like, like obviously, Caesar's Legion is bad. Yeah. But at the same time, the, mm-hmm. the new California Republic are just stealing things from people in the, in the sake of government, so... And I think that uh, just looking at the trailer they showed where he's like, Hey, if you, like, decide to give people water... Uh, with the black market, then thugs show up because you created a black market for water. But if you give water to this, like, one group, they become like a police state. And I think he's a really good writer, and I'm interested to see what that game does, and I might buy it. That's super exciting. I hope it comes out for PC. It will. You don't know that. But I think that about does it for EA. There is one last thing. EA, Microsoft, dude. Oh, shit. Move on. Yeah, I, I thought we were still... Man, EA don't make that. At the, tr- at the tail end of Microsoft's conference, we saw the first look at a game that was teased when I was in college. Oh, Halo 2. <laughs> no, Cyberpunk 2077. Ah, okay, oh my god. A game that sparked whose trailer sparked a lot of controversy over the definition of cyberpunk. Yeah, uh, which I have feelings about that. I also have feelings about that. Uh, my fe- Okay, so the argument it spawned is a lot of people came out of the woodwork, uh, some of them authors, <laughs> uh, to say that for something to be cyberpunk, it has to not be a celebration of the future it takes place in. It has to be about... Uh, People fighting a system, it needs to have a certain amount of like grit and anti establishment rhetoric. And the main things it needs to have is it happens at night during rain. Okay, that part also not in the trailer. Uh, but also if those are your qualifications for what makes a cyberpunk novel, guess what, motherfucker? Neuromancer is not a cyberpunk anything. Oh. Neuromancer, the like pinnacle cyberpunk novel. Not usually what you'd think of as cyberpunk. Because it happens during sunny fun times? Well, let's not get into it. Uh, but it's CD Projekt Red. Yeah. The only game they've made ever other than The Witcher. And they have an... Excellent track record, so I feel like... <laughs> they have a 100% track record of making Witcher games. I feel like if they're going to pick a new genre and they're going to call it cyberpunk, I feel like they're going to nail it. Just trust them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, they're... From the Witchers I've played, meaning The Witcher 2 and some of The Witcher 3, they're some of the best designed games I can remember playing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and here's something that's very scary about Cyberpunk 2077. There are rumors uh that it is a next generation game. Oh, so not th- what when? Probably around 2020. Why show me a trailer, <laughs> you jerks? Uh, there, there. It's are- like the, the, the first time they did this, they showed a teaser of a, of a woman like be- with all these guns pointed out of her, and then it turns out she was like a, sh- a cyborg. I feel like that was 10 years ago. It was a long time ago. It was like four or five years ago. Now they're gonna show me this? There's, there's definitely rumors that some of the games teased during E3, are next generation games. Well, that definitely goes for our next conference. Bethesda. Bethesda. So we can start right off the bat with the biggest thing about Bethesda, Fallout Shelter. <laughs> Finally, on the Switch and PS4, fans have been clamoring for ages to get this mobile game on more platforms where it doesn't make sense that they're on there. They've been champing at the bit for Fallout Shelter. But for real, Fallout 76. Oh, Fallout 76. A game... and (laughs) The more details I learn about Fallout 76, the less I want to play it. Uh... You know, to be honest with you, a uh, Fallout game developed by Bethesda, my interest level was already effectively zero. I like the Fallout series. I feel like that's a safe thing to say. I've played three New Vegas and four. Uh huh. I dabbled in one a bit before realizing that I can't just punch a skeleton to death because I need a gun or something. Fallout 1's really hard. And 2's uh, full of pop culture references. The series as a whole has been all over the place. Seventy-six seems to take all of the charm that could possibly exist in any Fallout game, Obsidian especially if they yes. were developing it. Uh huh. They remove. Okay, so the story is these are the first people out. Well, after, the lack of a story is the lack of a story is these are these are the first people out. After... This is the sound of gamer wine. After the bombs fell. These are the first ones. 2076. You will never see an NPC unless it's a robot that somehow survived the bombs. Because every human being that you see is a human being. So there is literally no chance for story. I, uh, I feel like their promise... And I mean, you could get story through like terminals. You know, the the preferred way of digesting story in a Fallout game, through glowing green terminals. That other people have written all about 25 years ago, nothing recent. Yeah, I, uh... I'm very concerned. It's very experimental. Good on them for doing something new. It's like... It's almost as if they took the criticisms about not caring about how, like, Jet was not a pre-war drug because it was created in Fallout 1 Mm -hmm. and you helped the person who created it. So it's impossible for it to be on the terminal of your neighborhood in Fallout 4 before the war. Mm -hmm. They took those criticisms and were like, you know what? You don't get a story. (laughs) You create your own story, you bastards. I really feel like since Fallout 3, people have really had Bethesda on the hook for Bethesda's... And this is uh, an honest thing that I'm saying. Complete inability to make a compelling story. Uh, In any video game... Okay, here's the thing. Fallout 3 has an awful story. It's... Oh, it's... It's laughable. I will never play Fallout 3 again. Uh, all of Fallout 3's DLC, all of the story was a laughable pastiche that made no sense. Uh, Fallout New Vegas came out, was well-written, uh, existed in their flawed but cool engine and was great. Then they made Fallout 4, garbage story. Uh, And they also made Skyrim during that time, which, little known fact, the best writing in Skyrim is the text they copied and pasted from all the books in Morrowind. That's hilarious. Uh, Yeah, Bethesda is completely incapable of writing a story, and instead of deciding to get better, they took their toys and went home. They also are really, really bad at paying attention to what came before them, before they bought the IP. Yeah. From what used, what, the precursor to Obsidian, I forget what it was called, Blackrock? Black Isle. Black Isle, thank you. Um, because like, we've seen super mutants in the trailer, and if this is truly like, a fallout game the super mutants are made and and around this time mm-hmm. on the west coast yes by by the master they uh bethesda as developers they've done a really good job of taking a ton of uh content for fallout and then just kind of doing whatever with it yeah uh they're not big fans of continuity uh they're not big fan uh, 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 uh I hate how Bethesda tells stories, uh, so I'm glad they're not telling one. I guess. Uh, Fallout 76 is a game I will most likely never play. Yeah, uh, it, it just looks like it looks like a cash in at the survival sort of series without being a survival game. Mm-hmm. But there's crafting, there's settlement building. It's all online, kind of like Ark or Rust. Yeah, and it it's or like Metal Gear Survive, which was really horribly received. It feels like a mistake. It does. Uh, and you know, more power to him. Yeah. Did they talk about anything else at that press conference? A few things. Uh, they announced a Rage 2. Uh. Oh, Andrew W.K.! That was the biggest reveal at the Bethesda press conference. Andrew W.K. just came out, started playing, no one knew how to receive him. For those of us who do not know who Andrew W.K. is, enlighten me. Uh, he is a musician. Uh, he has a song called uh, Ready to Die. He has a lot of songs about partying. Uh, he wears white jeans and a white shirt. And that's kind of his whole deal. Why was he there? He was there because there was an Andrew W.K. song in the Rage 2 trailer, and they could get him. Uh, I'm a fan of Andrew W.K. I don't listen to his music, uh, but his whole kind of thing is cool to me. But uh, More power to him for being there. Yeah, sure. But we can talk about musical performances, because you know who loves musical performances? Sony. <laughs> Sony uh, loves musical performances. I just want to make one point clear about the Andrew W.K. thing. Uh, my favorite thing about it is you notice there's kind of this uh, current going on in video gaming right now that protagonists are getting older, wiser... Generally more male moms are dying left and right. Uh, but generally in stories to video games, things are becoming more haggard, more mature, more children are involved, more paternalistic figures. So like God of War God or like of War, The Last of the Last Us. Last of Us yeah. So I think that uh, for that to be happening in gaming, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that developers are getting older. They're having children. And when you tell stories, you tell stories largely from your own personal point of view you know, write what you know. And seeing the aging group of press conference attendees at that E3, uh, both uh, gaming insiders and members of the press, all of them getting a little bit older, seeing seeing darkened close-ups of their faces uh, while Andrew WK is singing You Better Get Ready to Die. Mwah. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Amazing. Seeing, like... Seeing people who have been in, like, the games industry or the press for a long time sitting silently as an energetic man in white pants tells them they're going to die. My favorite part of E3. That sounds like the best misconnection. Absolutely. I think they anticipated that people were going to go nuts. No. no Everyone was just silent and respectful. while Andrew WK was saying, you better get ready to die. The entire industry is aging. I I mean... Like you said, look at the just the age of the the, the gri- grizzled male protagonist. Yeah, because if you look at video games' stories right now, especially in the West, either characters are becoming parents or characters that had a paternalistic streak are dying. Yeah. It's game developers who are having aging, dying parents or becoming parents themselves. The stories are aging up with them. And then you have Fallout where you can play as... A, a mom or a dad, and you don't care about your son as soon as you step out of that bowl. <laughs> Same thing as when they step out of the house. Uh, so, just a few thing, a few more things. Mm-hmm. Bethesda had one of the greatest self aware skits of all time. Oh God, what's that guy's name? Todd Howard, the Ta- guy who Todd was Todd th- Howard, yeah, Todd, Todd Howard, Todd has, Howard has be he's ascended from humanhood to mean lord, <laughs> like he. He gets it. Todd Howard has an immaculate tight 15 on the video game industry, particularly Bethesda. That was almost a stand-up routine. There was some very funny stuff and some really funny sketches. For those of you who have not seen the very special edition of Skyrim skit with uh, Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah. Google that shit right now. That is, like, for a corporation or a company... To be so, like, on the same level as their fans and, like, produce for, like, no value to the company. Mm-hmm. It's just a skit. Yeah. Well, maybe they got some Amazon money. They might have gotten some Amazon money, which, more power to them. Like, that was, like, you know, Italian yeah. cook-kiss. <laughs> ma- chef, chef kiss manifique. Magnifique. Uh Really good. Also, there were some great Bethesda barbs in there. When he was talking about sometimes our games are buggy, people laugh. And then he was like, no, no, I understand they get it. Uh, but when in the past they've described their games that come up being buggy, when they say we've worked on it, it's just going to work. They say sometimes our, our games don't just work. Yeah. And it's That's like, the, yeah. That was the thing about Fallout 4. Because mm-hmm. Todd Howard, he's the one who said that. He was like... It just works. Yeah. And that was the tagline that people would w- would repeat when like their games crashed or or like a glitch happened. It's like, it just works. It yeah. doesn't. Uh very, very good Todd Howarding. And then to come back to the games that might we might not see until the next gen, they announced Elder Scrolls 6. And Starfield. And Starfield. Yeah. Both of which were just 30-second sort of teaser trailers. With a logo and nothing else. Arguably no assets. uh, Which I feel like Bethesda... Bethesda I think in the past has been victim to uh, more leaks than other companies. Well, Sony had that huge leak. Uh, But I feel like Bethesda saying, Okay, here's the shit we're planning for the next six years. Have at it. I, I mean, yeah. This is a game company that makes maybe two to three games a year. I, I wanna be so honest with you though, because I was, I, I think Bethesda's interesting. Bethesda made maybe my favorite video game of all time, which is Morrowind. Oblivion. <laughs> uh, Morrowind might be my favorite video game of all time. I didn't realize you liked being attacked by birds you can't kill. Uh, I like games that are hard and bad. You can't, you can't hit them. You can't, but like. It's a dice roll, even if your combat score is maxed. I I love Morrowind, and I was really thinking, this seriously in my mind, this is what was going to happen. You have that like weird vista shot, and it says Elder Scrolls Six, and I really thought if they had given a subtitle, it was going to be one of three things in my mind, and all of them would have made me go fucking wild. Morrowind two, Morrowind two would have made me go nuts. But the other Daggerfall two. two. or... Arena Re- 2. No. <laughs> but the one that would have made me go the most insane. Elsewhere. If they had put up Redguard 2. Oh, that's the, the one Elder I Elder Scrolls Redguard, which no one played. If they went all in on making... Because Redguard was like a weird swashbuckling RPG. Yeah. If they had made Elder Scrolls 6 Redguard 2... I I would have run to my nearest GameStop and pre-ordered it. I, I would have freaked the fuck out. Do not go gentle into that Dark night, John, because I, this is the Bethesda. Sure, they may have made those games in the past, mm-hmm. but this is the, the Bethesda that does not honor the past of Fallout. <laughs> You're right. You think for a second, if they made a two of anything, yeah. Daggerfall or otherwise... That they would honor what came before? I'm pretty sure, let me just paint you a mind. Do you think picture. these people, you think these motherfuckers at Bethesda today care about Shim? So it, it starts. They do not. Here's how it they starts. They don't even know what Shim is. It starts Elder Scroll 6, and then it says Morrowind 2, and then it blacks out. It starts your Ron, Ron Perlman's voice. He says, Why walk when you can ride? And then there's like a guy riding a silt strider. And he's got like an AK-47. He's just like mowing people down. And he's like, war. War never changes. (laughs) And then it just starts playing like an Ink Spot song. It's basically Fallout. They wouldn't even get Ron Perlman. (laughs) They wouldn't. Because they didn't for Fallout 4. And that is the biggest crime against the franchise I've ever seen. Ron Perlman's, uh, he's cheap. He's been in worse. No, he's not. She, it's a tradition at this yeah, point. True. Sorry. I'm way in the weeds. <laughs> We're getting real mad about Bethesda. I, because they have some of the the most celebrated series of all time. Mm-hmm. And they keep fucking it up. They uh, they need to give those series to people who make good games, like Obsidian. Yeah, <laughs> <nah, laughs> Fallout, New Vegas 2, <laughs> Daggerfall. Oh. <laughs> Elder Scrolls 6. Follow New Vegas (laughs) 2, colon, (laughs) Daggerfall. Yes. Let us jump from this sinking ship onto the ship of a 30-minute pre-recorded presentation that was mostly trailers. Sony. Square Enix. Oh, didn't watch that one. Uh, let me scroll real quick. Let me ask you about games that I want to have seen. The World Ends With You 2. No? Did we just become best friends? <laughs> Is there The World Ends With You 2 on there? No. Not interested. I thought you were doing like a like a fist bump. Uh, I want to let you know, because I don't know if you follow Switch news, The World Ends With You, a remake. With, oh, yes. With a, an extended chapter that they were planning to do but never did. Uh-huh. Coming to the Switch. Man, I really wish that bag actually had a Switch. I wish now. that box one <laughs> was a Switch for you, but anyway... Uh, scroll- second time Kingdom Hearts 3 showed the same trailer. Elsa! Frozen Elsa, the whole shebang. Second time, same trailer. Just want to put that out there. Square Enix was largely missable. I, uh, I just want to say that as I get older, uh, I really loved Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. I really loved playing them, and I took them very seriously, uh, as I get older, I start to see why older people at the time thought they were dumb. Because like. I think, I think they were a miracle. It's amazing that they happened. Yeah. I, I, any franchise. <laughs> just anyone partnering with Disney. Mm-hmm. And then it being Square Enix. Of all people. A Japanese developer across the world. And they get to mix in their characters, like Final Fantasy characters, along with original characters, like all of that, all of that combined into one action RPG. That's pretty good. That, that, that's that's that pretty decent, all things, all things considered. Even though they scattered the story across, I, what is it, 10 platforms mm-hmm. now, it, 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 the stars fucking align. It's amazing that Kingdom Hearts exists, but from a distance, looking at Kingdom Hearts media, seeing, like, a bunch of really angsty uh, anime guys, and then seeing Goofy, and he's like, gosh, your heart was stolen by an abyss monster. What an insane proposition. Yeah. Uh, from afar, it looks like outsider art. It, it looks insane. It looks like fan fiction. Mm-hmm. It closely Because it is. It closely is. I've never finished, no, it's not even the right, I've finished Chain of Memories on the Game Boy Advance. Oh. I am so far removed from Kingdom Hearts, but my heart is so close to it because I've always wanted to play it. Oh. And Kingdom Hearts 3 makes me excited. I played Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, and 3 also makes me excited. I just, Sony revealed a thing that I'm going to be partaking of, and maybe you should too, .com. I'll try. What else was in the Sony presser? Oh. Was we, that it? We can't go there yet. Oh. We, we thought there were two... Oh, what... I'm sorry. Square Enix. Done. We're skipping that was, it. Okay, that's we're fine. skipping Square Enix. That's totally fine. All, all that was there was... That was the second time you saw the same trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay. The PC gaming conference. Skip. Skip. But what about... What about... Skip. Games like... Yes? Satisfactory. Skip. A game in which you control a factory. Skip. What about. What, you, you wanna. You wanna. You wanna skip over. You wanna skip over Warframes? Skip. You wanna skip over Sega games? Skip. Shinmu 1 and 2? Skip. Skip. Coming to skip. the PC? Skip. 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 Yakuza 0. Coming to the PC? Yeah. Nice. Skip. Killing Floor 2. Skip. That's not out. Skip. There was one game that I thought was cool because it it has like an OutRun theme going on. Oh. It's called Neo Cab. Never heard of it. You play as a human cab driver in a city largely controlled by computers. Yeah. And you have to... The the main gameplay is sort of interacting with your cab fare... Is that what you call the people you, that you... No, your uh, cabos. Your cabos. You're interacting with your cabos, and at the same time, you're in the city to find your friend who has disappeared. Oh. So you're, okay. you're, you're under So like, it's a like crazy taxi. Kind of. Uh, I don't know if you control the driving or if it's just dialogue, sort of like a story-driven kind of thing mm-hmm. while you're driving, but it seemed cool. That seems cool. And it's by a, uh, a developer who's never made a game before. Always a good sign. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to talk about there. I think PC gaming largely takes care of itself. PC gaming uh, is an industry that has existed, will continue to exist, and really doesn't need much promotion. A lot of the major games for PC... Are covered by the other conferences that we're talking about, mostly Microsoft. I think it's just a uh, PC gamer, the the uh, the journalistic mm-hmm. uh, entity, uh, like it's a magazine and it's a website. I feel like they push hard to have to have inclusion at E3, uh, and that's fine. And like they did a okay job. It's just a lot of the things, a lot of PC games are covered by other people. Yeah. So now we go into to Sony. Sony. Uh, Sony, who made the weird decision to have two venues. Okay. Did they have like a New York set? No. Oh. It was all in LA. Okay. But we open up in a a church. Okay. The church of Sony. uh, And this guy comes out and he's like, thank you for joining me in this church. I'm glad to see the... The congregation is so lively today. Mm. Joke More and more jokes about the church. And then they bring on a guy who plays a banjo song for three minutes. I did not watch the Sony press conference. I did. He, that sounds insane. And he's playing this banjo song. And you're like, after minute one, you're like, I get it. Mm-hmm. It's The Last of Us. Yeah. Can we get to The Last of Us? Can we get us? to The Last of Us? But Sony's whole thing was, their conference this year, they announced... Only two new games out of, like, the eight games they covered. And before their conference, a day before their conference, they released a trailer mm-hmm. for their showcase showing all the games that they were going to cover. Yes. So they went about it a different way. So whereas Xbox and everyone else, they're showing off their new games, the gameplay or teaser trailers, they're focusing on the games. This guy was like, we, we want to focus on the stories that we're telling. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, they set the atmosphere before every game that they they showed. Pretty much before every game, there was a live music performance. I feel very bad that I just watched the trailers from this one. All I want to say is, Sony got it fucking wrong. Did they? (laughs) Like, even Microsoft, with their stupid claims, Mm -hmm. was more, let's show trailers, let's show gameplay, this is where the industry is. And TICE... With content. Yes. Sony was like, we don't have a lot to show. Enticed with banjos. Let's fill some time. Now, the trailers that they showed, I don't want to detract from them. Mm-hmm. The Last of Us Part 2 looks, from what I can tell, from what they showed, the, the curtailed experience looks amazing. Are we going to, like, have room to talk about The Last of Us 2 trailer? Right here. Okay. Uh, the Last of Us 2 trailer, probably my favorite trailer of the show. Uh, amazing. Phenomenal, uh, 2018 E3 year of lesbian, uh lesbian <laughs> with a bullet. But, uh, I mean, it's Naughty Dog, so they know how to cut a trailer. Yeah. And they... Well, their games are just long trailers. They're just movies. They love making great long movies. This is a critique that I've heard time and time again, and one that I have even come to agree with. Their games are cinematic experiences that you take you take a part of yeah but they're helping you along the way and i thought that might detract my from my excitement for the last of us part 2 mm-hmm. as soon as that trailer started playing my initial thought was i can't wait to take part in this movie yeah i mean the even if you look at like the last of us 1 The Last of Us is a seemingly brutal game that gives you every tool you need, every helping hand to make it possible to succeed. And it is a curated, brutal experience. Like, we want you to feel despair and sadness and disbelief, and you're going to feel exactly as much of that as we've intended you to feel, and then you'll finish the game. Yeah. Uh, And they're really good at that. It's like, uh, you know, the Uncharted games. They're like, we want you to feel this much excitement, then the game's over. And success is not guaranteed. There are segments of the game that are bone-crushing. Yes. But at the same time, there are also segments of the game where it's like, yeah, here are all the arrows you need for your bow. Because I, if, if you look at uh, the Last of Us 2 trailer, I it's not a critique, but the feeling that I got watching it, I feel like E3s in the past had to be more restrained. Because if you watch the, la, the first Last of Us reveal trailer, where Joel is like, Busting up in that house and like melee fighting all those dudes and it ends with him shooting that guy in the face point blank range with a shotgun and then it smash cuts to the logo and that's it and they show you one frame of the aftermath of that guy getting shot with a shotgun. It is such an economy of violence that it's so shocking. I think that's like the best like directed trailer for a game maybe I've ever seen. And the Last of Us 2 trailer, maybe it's something that's supposed to belie its tone, but it starts so violent. Like, the first bit of violence in the Last of Us 2 trailer is Ellie, like, slitting someone's throat graphically in front of the audience, and it just stays graphic and horrible and violent. And, I mean, if you're cutting the trailer to juxtapose... A quiet moment of humanity with the person Ellie has to be to continue to exist. It, it, it makes sense. But God, it was violent. I am very excited for The Last of Us Part Two. if we control Ellie the entire time. I mean, we've gotta. Because one of the more shocking moments of The Last of Us One mm-hmm. is when this 13, 14-year-old girl pulls the trigger to save our lives. Yeah. As Joel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, as Joel, it's like, you're thankful that she did that, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you now know the road that she has to travel. I mean, uh, the two best video games about children with guns, uh, Last of Us and The Walking Dead. Oh, I never saw, I, I never played The Walking Dead. I, uh. Clementine? Yeah. But I, I think that the, the character that, uh, that Ellie becomes, uh, really interesting based on that trailer. I mean, everything that they've shown of The Last of Us Part 2 really takes the extreme, like, degradation of human morality and really just amps it up. Because it's the logical conclusion of what The Last of Us was. The Last of Us was a story of, like, tooth and nail survival, and The Last of Us 2 seems to be a story of continuing to exist in a world that has become increasingly brutal. There was a choice that happened at the end of the f- the first last of us. Uh-huh. That implies that everything that happens next is the cost of that choice. It's just something that plays out and you play it out. Yeah. But everything in her life going forward is the cost of that price or, yeah. or, of that is the price of that choice. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And so it's gonna be really interesting to find out. Does she even know? Mm-hmm. And if, like, all of the things that she does after that, I'm, what I'm, happens to a person who finds out that? I'm, I'm so, I'm so interested to see what the Last of Us Part Two ends up being. Yeah, because that trailer, so good, so good, showed us nothing of the story, and the story is everything with naughty dog which is the best thing to do is not show us anything yeah i uh i don't know i love the last of us i never played the dlc which seemed really good i never did either which i i might now that this has happened you know that the, the game's coming out mm-hmm. um i don't think there's a release date with that but god uh, i'm it's excited so fucking violent it's so gross and that's something the Last of Us did really well. It made violence gross and not it, victorious. Yeah, it, should, it did not celebrate what you had to do at any yeah, at, at any point, point. cuz like in the Last of Us when you had the opportunity to kill someone with a shotgun, uh, that's something that a, a lot of video games would make to be a big victorious bigger than yourself moment. It's like, no, this is a a small awful choice. That has small, awful consequences. The trailer for Last of Us Part 2 continued that because there was a point where Ellie kills somebody and you can hear background characters, other people that you might have to fight, mm-hmm. yell out their name. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Yep. They're not, you know, nameless thugs. Mm-hmm. They're a group trying to survive and you just took one of their members away. Like that. Yep. They have a whole. It's something that other games resist. Because, like, how can you continue mm-hmm. if you know you're taking away loved ones from, even if they are thugs? Games don't stop and examine what happens to, like, you kill one thug, the rest of the thugs now have to deal with that fact. I mean, considering that uh, the first Last of Us was based heavily on the fatalism of, like, Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian on the Road. Yeah. Uh, it makes a lot of sense that they would go that direction with it. That's a game about fatalism. There's not a lot of fatalist games out there. I mean, it's called The Last of Us. Mm. It's not called The New Beginning of Us. (laughs) It is not. The Last of Us Part 2. Daggerfall. (laughs) Daggerfall. They then went to intermission because they had to move everybody who was in that church to the main stage. Uh Uh-huh. Great. What? (laughs) Great. Uh, So bizarre. They showed off a game that... Is going to continue another one of our, our the themes that we might want to examine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Ghost of Tushishima? Yes, you... I think it's I think it's pronounced Ghost of Tsushima. Tsushima. Okay, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I think it's Tsushima. Tsushima. Where you play as like a samurai. Yes, and at the height of the Mongol invasion. Yes, of Japan. Yes, that happened. I'm not sure. Uh, I will say though, this game is beautiful. Uh, it looked... I was watching it. Oh, yeah. It looks gorgeous. And this is going to sound really weird, but I was watching. I was like, I don't feel like this is made by a Japanese studio. It's made by Sucker Punch. The people who made, uh, Infamous. You're kidding me. It's made by Sucker Punch. You're kidding me. It's made by Sucker Punch. That's insane. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Uh, it is... It's made by Sucker Punch. It just didn't... I don't know. Watching it, it didn't feel Japanese. And I was like, I wonder. Uh, yeah. Yeah made by sucker punch that's a huge wrench it's it's a strange thing to do and and i i thought we i don't know i thought with the like cuz neo 2 was also announced mm, uh, the so, most japanese video game which is like the third in our our sort of japanese themed video games of this this uh which was the second of the dark souls uh, the the one i the the ghost of sushi oh Yes. Tsushima. Yes. Tsushima. Dark Souls, not really, but more yeah. Japanese and in, in inspired and influenced. Mm-hmm. I thought we were getting to a point where maybe Japanese developers were tired of curtailing to an outside audience mm-hmm. and wanted to pay homage to their, you know, their historical and cultural roots. Turns out. But if number two is made by Sucker Punch, who makes the infamous games, that the, maybe it's just, Hey, Japan's a fun, not a fun, but an interesting sort of backdrop for for storytelling right now. I mean, I, I think that it's, uh, it's an interesting time period to set something in. Uh, and it's interesting to me that Sucker Punch is doing it. Yeah. I've never been a huge fan of the Infamous games, but that game looks pretty good. I mean, Infamous... Th- that studio has done one type of game forever, and that's the Superhold... No, sorry. The superhero climb building, shoot things with electricity, kill tons of thugs type of game, and if they're going into something different, might be worth checking out at, at the least. I, uh, I did think that, listening back to it, obviously it is in English, all the dialogue. All the Mongol characters speak a really obvious, like, gibberish conlang, oh, which yeah. is kind of... I don't know, that seemed weird. I think if you're going to set a Game in like feudal Japan or of that era, you should do the voice acting in Japanese and just have fair English subtitles. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm not. I the feel like the game director. looks good, it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. I don't know. Uh, one thing that took me off guard was uh, the, the Resident Evil 2 remake trailer. Did not see that. Oh, well, uh. Even if you saw it, you might be confused because it's from the perspective of a rat. What? The trailer... Shut up. This is the most exciting thing I've heard all day. The trailer... Oh, not the whole game? Just... Maybe just the trailer. Mm Mm-hmm. Was from the perspective, John... Of a rat. Of a rat. I need to look this up. This sounds amazing. That sounds great. Not to spoil it. The rat dies. No! No! And then the camera pans from the rat's eye Mm -hmm. to, like, a young, really young, Leon Kennedy. Oh. Police officer. Uh Uh-huh. Does he kill the rat? No. (laughs) I was gonna say, that's a weird character turn. No, but that's how you know it's Resident Evil 2. Well, I mean, Resident Evil 2 started because the soul of a rat traveled from a rat's body into Leon S. Kennedy. (laughs) And he was like... Zombies. (laughs) Zombies. <laughs> and, yeah, and then he 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 took on the rat's persona. And then, of course, at the end of Resident Evil 5, he yeah. releases the rat persona. Weird time to remake Resident Evil 2, but whatever. Yeah, Resident Evil 1 remake was good. Sure. I guess. Who knows? Resident Evil 2 was better than Resident Evil 1. Did you see the surprise announcement in Sony that took everyone off guard? I just watched trailers. Okay. What was it? Uh, a little a little creative type in the Hollywood area. He's got a really big cartoon right now. Maybe, John Favreau. Maybe you've heard of it. John Favreau. Maybe you've heard of this cartoon. It's called Rick and Morty. Oh. And this guy got really into VR games. Got really into maybe wanting to develop some VR games. Started his own game company uh-huh. with a fellow person from the show. Not Dan Harmon, a different one. Uh-huh. Uh, launched his game company called Squash Tendo. Uh-huh. After the season's assist letter. Yes. Changed it to Squatch Games. Yes. And they're releasing a game called Trover Saves the Universe. Cool. He made accounting. That VR game? I don't know. Mm. Third time for Kingdom Hearts 3. Yes. Third the, time. Look, the first... The first was the Kentucky Derby. The second was the... Shit. The second was the Preakness. And the third... I feel like the Kentucky Derby is actually the third of the of the okay. Triple Crown. I was about to say you're doing the Triple Crown. Yeah. And What's the one that's not the Preakness or the Kentucky Derby? The Indy Five Hundred. <laughs> the Indy Five Hundred. It's horse... a massacre out there. If a horse can win the Preakness, the Kentucky Derby, and the Indy Five Hundred, they get the Triple Crown. Justify did it. <laughs> But they did announce on top of that, that they are releasing a... Col- Kingdom Hearts Master Edition. <laughs> a collection. Yeah. Of 1.5. Okay. 2.5. Uh-huh, Chain of Memories. 2.8. uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, 85 over 2, Divided by Love. At least the cinematic version of it. Okay. And Kingdom Hearts 3 for the low, low price of $100. What? You're paying 40 bucks for six games. Uh huh. And then 60 bucks for Kingdom Hearts 3 only on PlayStation 4. I would not pay that. I'd pay maybe 70. (laughs) I mean, it's going to go on sale in 10 years, so. Yeah, I'll buy it on sale in 10 years. I mean, it's cool that they're putting all the games out. Finally, you can know what the fuck the story is. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Man, Kingdom Hearts is fucked. (laughs) <laughs> really is well. They decided to spread the games over multiple systems, over multiple developers, yeah. over multiple. It's been decades over multiple kinds of games. Yeah, dumb. Wasn't there a mobile game? Who there cares? was a mobile game, John. Yes. Speaking of not knowing what the fuck is going on, uh huh. I think you know exactly where we're going. We're going straight to the source. Straight to the man himself straight to the oh I yeah. god. Uh, yes. the god yes the goat the goat the enigmatic insane perhaps the god of ambiguous trailers the 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 biggest fan of western actors i mean he got Kiefer sutherland the in the past and now he's got norman reedus mads mickelson and two women i don't recognize we have Uh, Hideo Kojima, someone who, in some Sisyphean twist of fate, all he wants to do is make a movie, but somehow he is completely incapable by forces outside of his control for making a movie, and he has to make video games. Yeah, some higher cosmic power has stripped his ability to make movies, and so he has to make the most cryptic, symbol-filled nonsensical seemingly video games of all time Hideo Kojima developer of my favorite video games I mean Metal Bullet Metal Gear at least has some parallels to the to the real world but now that the the rug the proverbial rug of Konami being mm-hmm. cut from under him since they got rid of him for reasons unknown uh-huh Creative differences. Started his own company, and his first game, Death Stranding. Death Stranding. Uh Just want to say, though, Metal Gear Solid Zone of the Enders, is probably my favorite two video game franchises. That's fine, Kojima. I'm not going to have an unbiased opinion of Death Stranding at all. I have two things to say mm. about the trailers we saw for Death Stranding. The first thing is... I now feel like I have more context than ever before. Which is an amazing thing to say, considering. And I'm going... The second thing is I'm going to explain what I think is Death Stranding. Please do. It is the future. Yes, obviously. The Earth has been destroyed Mm -hmm. by nuclear war. Yes. Civilization as we know it is on the edges of existence. But they still have needs. Uh Uh-huh. They still have needs of getting items from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. What stands in their way but void creatures from a time or a dimension beyond our comprehension. Uh Uh-huh. That if they interact with life, like human life, results in catastrophic destruction. Yes. We play as a a courier. What about the time fall? Shh. We play as a courier, Mm -hmm. Norman Reedus, Mm -hmm. who cannot see these creatures as the trailer reveals, but he can sense them. Yes. He has a sense of them. And because of that, he can navigate the earth with relative safety. Okay. So he, we see, the trailer that we see shows a lot of him walking. A lot of him walking with with an amazing song over it. Various crates and things strapped to his back. He's going from point A to point B, delivering stuff. His cargo, co- his cargo and outfit, consistently changing between showing that this is something that is occurring over the course of time under various circumstances. And then we see scenes where he has a baby uh-huh. strapped to him, yes, with a device that can briefly show you the void creatures. Uh huh. He has an idea. Here's the thing. All of that. ...takes place before the game. Okay. He used to work with a team... Uh Uh-huh. ...that were investigating the the creatures. Mm Mm-hmm. All of that's in the past. The team... I don't know. I think... I honestly think the courier stuff... ...is like a present... ...and all of the stuff with the gear and the high-tech stuff is the past. Uh, It's totally fair... To assume that because if if you look at uh kind of the timeline of Death Stranding trailers, sure, the feeling that we initially get of Death Stranding, unless uh, this is in a dream, uh, is that Death Stranding takes place with Norman Reedus, uh, Sam Bridges, uh, devoid, alone, delusional. That is his character has been established up to this point. This is the trailer that makes his character seem the most rational and normal, and I think. I genuinely think that uh, Death Stranding as a game will take place over a non-linear timeline. Yes. And I think that probably the character we get to know the most is the uh, Sam bridges that exists in the field of dead whales, in the delusions of having a baby with him, Uh, but also... What the fuck is happening with Death Stranding? Because I feel like everything that made Hideo Kojima have trailers and games that make a lot of sense... Completely gone. Yeah. He's free to do whatever. Which is incredible considering that uh, his involvement with Metal Gear Solid Five arguably uh, was largely cut short because he wanted to put things uh, that were unspeakably awful in Metal Gear Solid Five Because he was so tired of making games about war because he realized he was glamorizing war and wanted to be critical of what war actually is on the world stage. So if you look, and I mean, I hate to uh, bring this thing up on the podcast twice, because I know we did once again in the past, uh, but he had total creative control over Ground Zeroes, and he's like, I want to make a game uh, that talks about how awful rape is as a psychological weapon in warfare. And they let him make that game, and I think they were like, Hey, can we calm down for a second? That game got a lot of interesting backlash and controversy because. Yeah. But it was sim. I mean, as much as putting a bomb somewhere. Yes. Can be symbolism. Yes. It was symbolism. Uh, Hideo Kojima, as much as people in the games industry want to make him seem like. He is this inscrutable maniac who makes games that make no sense. He is one of the most clear symbol makers. He, his, the symbols that he makes are so easily understood by the layman as to be ridiculous. I don't think that anything he's done is completely impenetrable in its purpose or what it's saying. Until... Death Stranding! I believe that, I believe that honestly as a creator, he is someone that has explored the medium so much... That he is operating on a level that is untouchable. And what has kept him hemmed in has been having a publisher. Uh, but now that he does not have uh, publisher pressure and Death Stranding is purely being published on the idea of let's let Hideo Kojima do whatever he wants. He is making the most incomprehensible, symbolic, metaphysical journey you could ask for I, and I feel like it's in direct what's the word response to the, to the what things people say about him. yeah, he's like, oh, you think my symbolism is obscure? <laughs> Let me show you obscure. I've chained babies <laughs> to the chest of men. <laughs> yes you 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 say that when I make allusions to literature or film, They're unneeded? Well, how about this? I have famed director Guillermo del Toro as a character. Also, rain makes you older. (laughs) Death Strand- I I could not be more excited for Death Stranding because what the fuck is going on? I, I keep- the trailer left me with the overall impression that this is a game I want to play and critique- And just, like, embody. (laughs) I mean, no matter what, Hideo Kojima and his team have become perversely good at making video games that are totally serviceable and fun to play. Like, if you look at Metal Gear Solid 4, which was, like, a weird, like... Sons of the Patriots? Sons of the Patriots. It was this kind of weird point between them embodying this kind of, uh, like, full-body control system they had in 5, so 4 was weird. But generally, he's real good at making video games, and no matter what the story of Death Stranding is, it's probably genuinely fun to play. Whatever the fuck it is, it's probably fun to play. Yeah, whatever it is. Which I can't even begin to fathom what it is. Nobody to this day knows what it is, and there's no release date, so stay tuned. (laughs) Stay tuned for Death Stranding. Stay tuned for more enigmatic and weird trailers. Uh, also, the names of the two actresses, the two celebrities. One that of are, them names is uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Se- Wagner. Lindsay Wagner and Leia Sado. Sure, she was from Spectre. James Bond. Oh wait, which one, Wagner? Leia Sado. Oh, she was in. Was she in Grand Budapest Hotel? <laughs> or was that Lindsay wagner th- this does not oh say wagner that. was wait Sato will be remembered for her roles as inspector yeah she was in grand budapest hotel man i'm so fucking excited for death stranding that trailer was phenomenal <laughs> and i'm really interested to phenomenal, see phenomenal and then it showed us almost nothing visually arresting though like really fun to watch uh uh did he have like a gun at some point I don't remember. Did they, like, take out a, a package and it turned into a gun? Or was that the Cyberpunk 2077 trailer? That could be Cyberpunk 77 trailer. Or did you see the trailer for Control? No. Okay. Well, never mind then. But I just say that because I think that for someone who has been so uh, so critical of the idea of glamorizing violence as Hideo Kojima... Continuing the Metal Gear Solid franchise. I think that would be uh, strange if Death Stranding was a game where the primary verb was violence. That'd be weird. Uh, But it seemed like the primary verb was walking around what seems like Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the primary verb is existence. Exist. Uh, Take my hand in life. Take my hand in death. Take my hand in spirit. Take my hand in flesh. Take my hand in flesh. Take my flesh hand. Hey, look, if you... <laughs> if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my Life, Death, Spirit, Flesh. Life, Death, Spirit, Flesh is my band. Were you excited at all for the Spider-Man trailer? Sure! Um, I'm. It was just kind of I'm a gonna... short film about Spider-Man. I'm really happy. It's made by Insomniac, the people who make Ratchet & Clank, who I believe we mistook on an earlier episode for the makers of Infamous. I think so. Which is unfair. Yeah. Uh, I, because all of Insomniac's games are good, and I'm sure Infamous is, but I don't like it. I like, uh, Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man. We've, we have talked about Spider-Man 2 to death, so we don't need to mention it. It's the best game ever made. All I know is, it said that show, this, this says it shows new Spider-Man villains, but who is the guy who was, Like a negative... Mr. Negative. That's genuinely his name. He's a Spider-Man villain. What's his... He can... Negativity. He's real down on a lot of stuff. Spider-Man's like, Hey, have you ever listened to the Arctic Monkeys? And Mr. Negative is like, I liked them back in the 90s. Uh, I don't know. He spits garbage. What does every Spider-Man villain other than the Rhino do? Shoot shit from their hands. The scorpion doesn't shoot shit from his hands. Yeah, you're right. He the just- The vulture doesn't shoot shit, does he? I think he does missiles. From his <laughs> hands? <laughs> yes. That's amazing! I don't know. I, I'm just jazzed that they have Electro in there. Electro, longtime stable of Spider-Man video game villains. Electro is in like all the Spider-Man video games. You know what we forgot to do? What? Grade everyone past EA? We can back up real quick. Alright, so Microsoft. Uh be... Wait, what they show? Nothing. C, D, D, C. I say C. Bethesda. Uh Microsoft had Devil May Cry. C. Bethesda. B, B, solid yeah. B, solid B. As they much did, as we shit on them, they did a lot. They did a lot of good. Square Enix. Uh F. Did not watch <laughs> PC gaming. <laughs> well, you need to rate Square Enix. I don't wanna. <laughs> okay, PC gaming didn't watch F. <laughs> I'm not doing any. DNF. Did not finish. Sony. Uh, I didn't watch the press conference, but just from the trailers, uh, Death Stranding, A. I think from the games they showed and not in the content of the presentation, the way they went about showing it, I will also give them an A. They put, with, with a note to see me after class. They, they showed really good games, but the essay they turned in had a lot of inappropriate stuff in it. Yeah, I don't need to, I don't need them to serenade me with fucking, <laughs> banjo tunes. banjo tunes, and at one point, this guy was playing a... Like a didgeridoo? Yeah! Oh, I was guessing. Well, like like some type of flute thing. I mm-hmm. forget what game that was before, but it was just like, get to the game. What was before Death Stranding? Was someone just playing a baby? Oh, no, Death Stranding just came out. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine no, some no, no. guy came no, out, no. blew into a baby's mouth, and no, music no, no. came out. Death Stranding, uh, a guy walked up on stage... Proceeded into the audience, picked one person, punched them in the face. (laughs) That's pretty emblematic of Death Stranding. And then just whispered, Kojima. (laughs) And they said, thank you. Which Uh, brings us to the final showcase of E3. The final not even a press conference. Not a press conference. Straight to your YouTube device. You know, I'm not going to trust burgers from the video game developer that thought press conferences were too hard. Jesus Christ, it's such a, such a nuanced <laughs> statement. Um, Nintendo. Mm. Those time-honored giants of your Zone of the Nintenders, Who last year blew it out of the park. Yeah. Last year was an A++. I'm really glad that uh, Nintendo has... Uh, put aside the time to Skype with us all individually to tell us about what other whatever toys they're making. And last year, I mean, it was like, whoa, Mario, boom, you know, like oh, Metroid Prime Four, all these big games, Super Smash Bros. What they're doing that? That's insane. Did they say that last year? Yeah. Oh, I thought this was this the revealed Well, they, it no, here. they just announced it. Oh, this year, crickets. Oh, fucking crickets, John. Oh, so they're making a new cricket-based game. No! They they talked about DLC for Xenoblade Chronicles. What? That's out? DLC? They're, who cares? What? Do you need DLC for a 120-hour game? No! And it's a prequel! Mm. You don't even get to play as the characters that you play as in the game! Nailed it. What? Great. And then, even though we already had a direct earlier last month mm-hmm. about these games... The Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu slash Let's Go Eevee games, they dedicated like a good five minutes to talking about information we already knew. Great. Real good. Good job, Nintendo. But then they had that big one, that big reveal. Super Mario Party. What? Yeah, they made a, they're making a Mario Party for the Switch. Can we talk about Mario Party for two seconds? Are you pro or anti Mario Party? I am pro Mario Party 1 and 2. I think Mario Party is horse shit. You have a bee in your apartment. Was that a, was that a bee? The bee just flew away. Are you sure? I'm sorry, I brought, I brought bees in with the wine. I saw something move. I didn't realize it was a bee. Looked like a bee. I don't think it was a bee. I think it was just a big fly. Yeah, that's a huge fly. That was a big fly. All right. Something that I was excited for was the, so when the switch was announced, mm-hmm. they revealed that they were working on a Fire Emblem title for the switch. Ooh, we hadn't we didn't hear anything about it for like two years. Fire Emblem Daggerfall? No, it's called Fire Emblem Three Houses. Okay, that is what we know. That's it. The trailer that they showed. There were some more. Like they showed like main characters uh, heading up formations and units, so it seems like a, a bigger battle than normal. Yeah. And then we know that they delayed it to next year. Oh. And that's all we know. Man, what if it's like a Fire Emblem game that's like Hyrule Warriors? They did that. Oh, did they? Yeah. Of course they fucking did. Yeah, never mind. Of course they fucking did. Fortnite! Oh. Who cares about Fortnite? Overcooked too Okay. Hollow Knight! You know, there is a thing to say about Fortnite though. What? Like genuinely? Okay, what yeah, what about it? Uh the saves that you have on the PS4 are not crossplay compatible with the Switch. That's insane. If you uh, the, make an account on your PS4 and spend money on it and like it does get, not cross over to cosmetics, the cosmetics, you cannot access that account on the Switch. That's insane. However, PC crossplays to PS4, PC cross plays to Switch. Yep. But PS4 does not cross-play to Switch, which is insane. That's like some Dark Ages consoles war shit. And Xbox Fortnite can play with Switch Fortnite, but not with PS4 Fortnite. That's ridiculous. That's insane. That's so dumb. Everyone uninstall Fortnite. Doesn't matter the device. So then Nintendo, in a weird move... Did a montage of games. Wait, who was presenting this Nintendo Direct? Uh, Reggie fils says, Fils-A-Mé? Reggie Fils-Aimé had, had one part. He seemed like he wasn't really in it this year. Oh, that's sad. But then they just did a montage of games. Oh. Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Okay. Crash Bandicoot. Uh, Dark uh, w- Souls. W- w- hold on. Crash Bandicoot? Yeah, the Insane Trilogy. Crash Bandicoot, the Sony mascot? Yeah, that uh, you know the most recent remake they did? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be on Switch. That's insane. Why? Crash Bandicoot used to be a PlayStation. Dark Souls. On the Switch? Remastered. Oh, that's cool. Monster Hunter Generations. What is Generations? Not World. Yeah, that would make sense that they couldn't put World on the Switch. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. I think Generations was a game that came out overseas, then come out over here. I mean, that's all right, though. I'll take any new Monster Hunter. That's exciting to me, because if I've never played Generations, maybe it's great. Let's, uh, I'll buy a Switch. We'll play it. I think Generations was the one where you could go any weapon. Could go aerial at any time. That's cool. Before they made the insect leave, which... Okay. Then they reduced that ability. We should play that. I don't know about that. We should also play World. Wolfenstein 2? Who cares? Okay. Mega Man 11? Eh. Wait, isn't there a Wolfenstein game coming out where BJ Blazkowicz's daughters are the? That's DLC. Oh. 4-2. Well, that's cool though. Yeah. I keep hearing that B. And then, so that was like, I don't know, 20 minutes? They then spent 30 two hours five oh. uh-huh. minutes talking about my most hyped game of the entire weekend. Let me guess. A game that shall live in infamy. Pikmin 5. Fuck you. No. (laughs) Animal Crossing 5. A game that does what I've been suggesting for years. What is it? My voice cracked hard on yours. Super. Smash. I don't know where this is going. Brothers. Okay. Ultimate. Oh, shit. Do you know anything about this game, John? I uh, know it's a Super Smash Brothers game, so I'm, I don't know, 40% interested? Alright, so, who do you think, uh, who, who do you think is in the game, John? Just, you just maybe list off 10 or 12, tw- tw- 20 characters you think are in the game. 10 or 20? <laughs> I'm kidding, This. just, just, uh, do, do just you, I'll cut you off, just go ahead and start. Who do I want to start with? Okay, Tom Nook. You're being jokey. You're being jokey. Mario. Let me let me narrow it. Who from previous games of the Super Smash Bros. series do you think is in? Could it be maybe every single one? Fucking yeah. Yeah? Every single playable character. Let me throw some at you. Ness. Yes. Ice Climbers. This is a waste of time. Mr. Game & Watch. Yeah? Hold on. Here's one that I bet you didn't think. Donkey Kong. Fuck you. <laughs> Every single playable character. We Fit Trainer? Yeah. Solid Snake. Every single. Pikmin guy? Previously. Captain Olimar. P- playable character is already confirmed to be in the game. That's insane. That's a lot. Even Even characters that they got rid of previously, like... The previous generation, the Ice Climbers, they could not replicate the technology in the 3DS, so they weren't in it at all. Didn't they get rid of Solid Snake? They did. And Sonic? Yes. So Sonic back? Sonic back. Solid Snake is back. Solid Snake was my favorite character. Ice Climber, everyone. Everyone. All of them. That's crazy. All of them. Luigi. (laughs) Fuck you. Captain Falcon. Yeah, shut up. Falco. So it's all of them. John, it's all of them. But what if there's one that I trip you up on and it's not all of them? No. Okay. It is literally all of them. Ganondorf. Yeah. And Ganondorf, for years, people have said, why does he punch all the time? Uh Why doesn't he use a sword? Because he always uses a sword in the games. He still punches a lot. But Uh now, one of his moves uses a sword. He punches all the time because he's basically slow Captain Falcon. Uh, but now he's slow Captain Falcon with a sword. Sheik is a separate character. I they did not confirm or deny if she's separate or part of a transformation. Linkle, no, that's just from Warriors. It's not a real. That's never been. <laughs> They're playable. not going to put Linkle in the game. Never been playable in Super Smash was No comment. What about Ridley? <laughs> John, yes, you jumped. Oh, I didn't mean to jump the gun. Go- I thought this would be a segue into the new characters. Oh my god, for. For years, Jeff. For years. Years. Literal years. Uh Uh-huh. I have been making jokes and memes about Ridley being included in Smash. And today, this very day that we're recording right now, so three days ago for you listening at home, my memes became dreams. (laughs) That's not what I meant. (laughs) Reality. (laughs) Not a lot of people have that experience. Ridley was officially fucking confirmed for Super Smash Brothers. That's insane. As a playable goddamn character. The second best character in the Metroid franchise. The only other named one. Crade. That matters. Wait, is Craid confirmed? He takes up all the screen. <laughs> I on. would love if <laughs> Craid was confirmed. No, but Ridley, the, the the menace, the the creator of orphans. <laughs> yes. Playable. And by God, he looks beautiful. Is he big? He is big. Wait, that opens the door to other big characters. Name one. Big solid snake. (laughs) Bigger Luke. (laughs) Big boss. (laughs) That was a genuine fucking laugh. (laughs) I am more than excited for this game. Did they announce any other new characters? Linkle. No. God damn it. So for a while people have... (laughs) Hold on, what if this game comes out and the character select screen is... It's like a B. It's a B. Uh, There's like 50 characters, but they just surround a huge button that's just Ridley. (laughs) (laughs) He's the one new character and he takes up 50% of the character select screen and they're like, Hey, it's Ridley. What I was going to say is, for, for a while, people have been saying, hey, you know, stop making these fighters that are so similar to other fighters, you're just making clones. Well, they officially addressed that. They're now called Echo Fighters. Okay. Fighters that are variations of other fighters, and they did announce one new one, an Echo Fighter to Peach... Oh, uh, Daisy. Ridley. Daisy Ridley. <laughs> Daisy Ridley. Oh my god, amazing. <laughs> With her lightsaber. No, no, but yeah, Daisy was announced today as a new Echo Fighter, so similar moveset, but a little different. Okay. That's alright. But no, it, just watching the 35 minute production. That's a lot of time. Of, of what their coverage. Splatoon guys. Is, they're, they're in. Okay. We knew that. Okay, we I knew that before know. the day. I just want to back up. This isn't something we talked about on the podcast. I don't think. What a classy way to show that Smash is coming out with the like big sun thing. Oh yeah, that's some meme worthy shit. That was awesome. That's some marketing genius. Yeah, that Nintendo gets it, and just the amount of detail, and the amount of effort put into all of this. just shows me that they really are are. This is their the thing that they're doing this year. It's just that. It's just that, but by God, is it worth it. I'm very excited now. So, so like, halfway through the presentation, I was like, this is garbage. What is Nintendo doing? And then they, they did that, and so because of that, they get a B+. I'd say a B+, plus. I didn't even watch it. That's a big reveal. What if it wasn't 35 minutes, and just at the end, they're like, Super Smash Brothers. Ultimate is coming out. Every character that's ever been in it before is in it. Also Ridley, and it just ends. I would be, I would be upset. Uh, because (laughs) there's already been a little bit of backlash with this announcement of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Mm -hmm. People are saying, oh, it's just a port of four with some extra gimmicks. But part of the 35 minute experience was they went through changes between character moves. And they Mm -hmm. went through a bunch of new mechanics that they're adding to the game. That's something that you didn't see at E3 at all. Yeah. It's like, it's basically a developer update, Mm -hmm. but an E3. That's very cool. And so, it's a new game. I'm sorry for anyone who's like, oh, it's a port, whatever. You guys suck. It's a new game plus. It's a new game plus. That bee really wants to hit that TV. It's bright. And I'm super, is it dying? Super excited for this. But, I will say, one good paragraph does not a good essay make. Oh. Oh, so not a good E3. Well, no, what I was saying, like, that's why it's a B B+. Oh, I see. You know what I give them? What? B. Uh, for the B that's hitting my TV in the yeah, face. for the B that is hitting your TV in the face. Uh, I need to watch that, because I am excited about it, because I'm not, I, I don't get excited about Smash Brothers. I don't think Smash Brothers, I think it's a good game, it just doesn't speak to me a lot. Uh, but I will definitely watch it. And I think that, uh, looking back at it, remember earlier when I said I disagreed and thought it was a good E3? Yeah. Eh. I think. Considering pretty much everyone got a C or a D or an F. I feel like the industry goes in cycles. And right now we're in a cycle where a lot of people are established. We're, we're in the middle of this sort of generation, if you will. hmm And so now is the time. I'm not for Nintendo. Nintendo's still starting up the Switch. It's mm-hmm. like the second year of the Switch. Nintendo's always a good one. It's like, buy that console if you want to wait Yeah, the next generation. But for everyone else, now is the time that you develop. You, mm-hmm. you you push your hardware to its limits to get like what it's capable of. The stories you want to tell will be aided by that hardware, but all of it we have to wait for. Yeah, we're, we're definitely in like a growing pains period uh, where they're, you really see like the, the true beauty of games coming out right now. It's, it's really exciting because people are starting to take risks. People are starting to uh, get out of their comfort zone. For the most part, EA is still on their blank, you know, title and year mm-hmm. format. But everyone else, like Halo Infinite, that's not six mm-hmm. or seven, whatever the next number would have been. So even they are are making moves toward, we want to do something big, something grand, and something worth where we are right now in the life cycle. I definitely felt like the theme of E3, if there was one, was, it's kind of a battle of ideologies about how to tell stories. Yeah. And I mean, every E3 is about companies trying to tell different stories, but the thing that this E3 kept coming back to is, Are we doubling down on story? Do we, do we care about story and heritage or do we move on to something new? You have something, just to like pick two random examples, one's easy. Fallout 76 versus like the new Spider-Man game. Yeah. It's like, do you take something that traditionally has a story and you try a new way of storytelling do you completely revamp storytelling in that medium in that franchise or do you take the spider-man approach where you take something that worked really well and a lot of people have really good memories of do you create a phenomenal reinterpretation of that bringing back things that people remember with a new spin like do you honor the stories that have been told or do you tell new stories and i think that's really what people are struggling with in video games right now because we're in a place where a lot of new writers are taking over for kind of staid writers in the industry yeah and we're getting to a point where the hardware is at the point where there's little to no limitations yeah so you end up with something like the god of war thing that just came out where they decide that uh which from my impression of it i haven't played it But it says, yes, this story did happen. The story you cared about was real. And the time has come to tell a different story. Yeah. The character that you knew and loved from the old stories is the same character. But now it's like that saga is over. Mm -hmm. This is the new chapter. And, And we have to look forward to things like Death Stranding, which is saying, unfettered by the bonds of a traditional publisher and the demands to deliver a story that is slavishly devoted to what it was before, what happens when you take someone who's been making video games for 30 years and you tell them, make a new story. Tell us something new. So I feel like the industry right now as a whole is in the awkward teenage years where maybe some of them will end up being really fine, outstanding adult stories that are worth playing and worth experiencing, but it can't be all of them. I mean, I genuinely feel like if you look at E3, I don't want to, like, tie this back to Andrew WK, but I gotta. You are looking at the greatest storytellers of the medium, almost since its inception. You have your Chris Avalones, you have your Todd Howards, you know, going back to, like, when he first started working at Bethesda what 25 years ago yeah you you look at these people who have been telling these stories their whole lives and they're at the end of their storytelling careers you look at people who have been in the industry as long as it has existed and they're bumping up against the need to tell new stories or the i guess the option to tell new stories yeah and i don't know what's going to happen Video games have never, up until, like, I guess, the inflection point between 2D and 3D, I don't think video games have been at a point where they have so much opportunity to change the way they do things. And, I mean, we're hitting a point of diminishing returns in graphical power and just specs for consoles. We're hitting a point where the innovation will not be in hardware, but in the stories and the experiences... That we that they can present yeah and, and so if we're entering that gate I feel like developers are are reaching the existential crisis of where do we go from here and realize it won't be in making it look better it won't be in having a more powerful graphical processor because we're almost at like the limit that hardware can push mm-hmm so it's got to be in the experience, the story, and game feel, which is something that not a lot of developers have put a lot of importance on. Yeah, it, it's something that we're having to focus so much attention on. and Or uh you could just add Ridley. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo, who cares? Nintendo's adding Ridley. I, fuck, everyone else loses. Yeah, you, you could tell new stories in new ways, uh, represent... Uh, new, uh, spectrums and sexuality. Uh, you could focus on, uh, different minority groups or you could add Ridley. And then you don't even need to worry about all that other shit. Really? I mean, just add Ridley. I mean, Pride Month, more like Ridley Month. I did not say that. It's <laughs> not a real thing. It does not ex- reflect the views of my real persona. It was just a joke. We're capable of saying things we don't believe. Yeah. And uh, speaking of saying things we don't believe, we've been doing that for about two hours now. I know, this is going to be a long one, but I just remembered we did the same thing last year. Which means we don't have to record for one week this month, or we get a backlog. Or we just push it to the limit, bruh. Push it to the limit. Also, we forgot Ubisoft, but fuck them. Yeah, let's... Fuck Ubisoft. That was E3. Thank you for the wine, Ubisoft. Thank you for the wine. Oh, no, I forgot that. Oh, man, we really fucked up that sponsorship Uh, there. Not coming back. They had a fucking panda dance for five goddamn minutes. (laughs) I don't care. That was E3 this year. I can only hope that maybe there's more surprises for the rest of the year. It it used to be that E3 was like the, the time where all of the big companies released what they were working on for the year... But we're getting more and more into surprise things like God of War came out of nowhere. Yeah. And so, and Nintendo does a, a direct every other, you know, month or so talking about what they're working on. I feel like, like the industry is more concerned about consumers than they are about the journalists now. And that's a great place to be in. So I'm just hoping there are some more surprises before 2018's over. Yeah, I want to keep power in the hands of the many, not the hands of the few. And honestly, one thing that we really didn't discuss about E3 is the fact that uh, Fallout 76, you're in Fallout 76, yeah, so we... the trailer was pretty good. It's set in West Virginia. It was set to Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver. And I feel like one thing that we need to do before the end of the episode is really take that song to task, because I've always had a problem with Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver. Because if you listen to it, it's it's certainly like creating it's a tableau it creates a picture but the thing about take me home country roads by john denver is it's just kind of a it's like a pastiche like a rural pastiche you could really sub out the the lyrics for anything so uh let me ask you if this is a lyric to take me home country roads by john denver life is calm there like an eagle soaring over Grandma Mountain might as well be that. Honestly, it could be anything as long as you throw enough rural words together. But anyway, if you want to get back at us with how you truly feel about Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver, written, uh, principally by Bill Danoff, I believe, you can send us an email at zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you can somehow uh, condense your hatred for the for the song Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver written by Bill Danoff into a 280 character tweet. You can tweet us on zcpcwhj on twitter.com which stands for Henry. That stands for Zivas or Zeebs. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, fuck Ridley's and Smash, Sean! <laughs> Zebus is a planet for Metroid! I'm excited! And sometimes we stream video games on twitch.tv slash zero credits. We're on Facebook. You can find us if you want to. The most important thing, well, the second most important thing, is that you like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, because those iTunes reviews, they really help push the podcast. Uh, I'm about to tell you of a thing that uh, ostensibly means more, but really, those iTunes reviews, uh, get on those if you like the podcast. But the most important thing, and I can't stress this enough... But word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. If you tell your one friend, and your one friend, let's say, uh, is the uh, chief designer at a major video game company, and they do like a tight 15 at a major electronics expo, and they mention zero credits when they're talking about their video games, you've reached a lot of people, and you're friends with Todd Howard, which means you can probably hook me up with a copy of Terminator for the PC, Terminator Future Shock. They made a lot of Terminator games Oh, Terminator Future Shock. Probably the best one. Really like like one of the first real open world games. Why did we ever have a contest (laughs) with a robot for you to do social media when you can do fucking that? That was phenomenal. Oh my god. Yeah, no. That robot lost for... Well, he won and then we killed him. Yeah. We killed him for a reason. No worries. And... From everyone here at the Zero Credit Studio apartment, especially the perhaps dying B, we want to wish you a happy E3. Rest in peace, B. I hope he's not getting them out of here. Done. Oh my god, B3!